Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by the Lions.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined as always by Nate Weitzer on the East Coast. And it's Tuesday. We've got six games to choose from tonight. In this one, we're going to be taking a look at the Hawks. They're hosting the Cleveland Cavaliers. Also have another game video up for you and our player props. So make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Continue to follow along with us. Also want you to head to thelines.com. That's where we have all of our great written content for you guys. We're throwing the picks up there each and every day now as well. Um, And we also have that odds finder tool up there. You can make sure you're getting the best odds available to you from all these books that are giving us bets in the NBA this season. Nate, let's run through this little six-game slate real quick and then talk about our game, the Hawks and Cavs. Yeah, Celtics are minus 11 at Washington. Uh, Wizards appear to be letting go of their playing hopes here. Kuzma and Beal are out. Miami and Toronto are in the thick of that race, though. Uh, the Heat right now plus 3.5 at Toronto. We got Cleveland in a pick at Atlanta here, minus 1 for the Cavs on the road. Uh, and that total's been bet up a little bit to 235. Orlando's plus seven at Memphis. Jaws expected to sit tonight, uh, but Grizz look like they're back on track. The Hornets are plus 10 at OKC. And then the last game we break down is Pelicans plus nine at Golden State. Total of 234 out there in the Bay. Yeah, I mean, the, the Cavs here, we talked about them kind of settling into their position as the four seed, but they actually have a chance at the three here after Philly uh, sat Joel Embiid uh, through everything for a loop on Monday, everyone's expectation, and now put us in a dead even race for MVP, according to odds makers, by the way. I you know, just quick aside there, but Cleveland had a little bit more motivation, I think, to keep gunning here. Uh, it is, you know, a pretty chill schedule for them. Only five more games after this. They have two days off before they play the Knicks in a potential first-round preview, so there might be some gamesmanship there. Mm -hmm. And then they play four non-competitive teams. So it's interesting, you know, a little bit of a a thing to look at. How motivated are they going to be? But, I mean, I think that speaks well to them continuing to play subpar defense and not being the defense that we understand to be number two in rating on the year and absolutely lights out at home. They haven't even been lights out at home necessarily over their last 15 or so. They're actually gone over in 13 of their last 18, six of their last eight, basically since the all-star break, uh, been a league average defense uh, on the road, especially, but seventh in offensive rating on the road. Uh, They have these weird splits where they're giving up a very high percentage from three, but limiting attempts, but that's fine with Atlanta. Atlanta takes like the fewest threes of any competitive team in the league. Atlanta is just, you know, trading buckets like it. Not much has changed since Quinn Snyder came aboard, um, except that they are scoring a little bit more consistently and giving up points a little bit more consistently. They're only eight and seven to the over, but that's because they have these astronomical totals like five. They're four overs. They're four unders at home under Quinn Snyder here are totals of 240, 246, 236 and 242. And so all of those getting slightly over where this total's at right now. Of course, they did host the Cavs in, I think it was Snyder's first game as coach and, and, and lit them up for 136. Um, they, they, you know, going back to when Nate McMillan's the coach, the last two times they hosted the Cavs last year, they're not averaging 130, hitting 15 and a half threes at 46%, getting 26 free throw attempts. So putting up, you know, combined totals of 244 in those games even at a pace of just 97 
And the pace is up <clears throat> under Snyder, um, certainly at home. They have a 101 pace since the break uh, or since he came aboard here. They're scoring 126 at home, allowing 123. They're you know fourth in pace in general, uh, denying second chance, but they are dead last in opponents' paint points. So another check and also dead last in fast break points. Not that Cleveland likes to get out and break. Uh, but, you know, it just spells well for Garland and Donnie Mitchell to both have good game scoring the basketball. Uh, and, and even with Donnie struggling, you know, against his old skipper, if you want, Snyder, he didn't did not have a good shooting night uh, in that first game. Only 19 points on 2-10 from 3. But Darius Garland picked him up with 33 points in 31 minutes. And he's now, you know, absolutely roasting Trey Young in, in three of the last four meetings, basically dropping a 30-piece without breaking a sweat on who some call the worst defender in the NBA uh, played a little bit better recently, but you know, if with him at the forefront of the attack, it's, it's a problem defensively for Atlanta, but not offensively. I mean, he's an absolute wizard on offense. And in this matchup, I mentioned the, the last three home against Cavs, he's been leading the way with a 143 offensive rating, shooting 52% from deep hitting four threes, 32 points per game. DeJounte Murray has also, roasted um the the Cavs his last two home games here including his first one under Quinn so I I just like points here I think the Cavs are continuing to get um undervalued in terms of their ability to play a higher scoring game they are I I, I understand that um my, my only hesitancy and and I think we we definitely are leaning Cavs I mean I I lean Cavs a bit I know Atlanta at home it equals points more more than anything, right? Like you, you kind of mentioned, um, you know what what they've done in, in the the fifteen games since Snyder's been there, and it's it's just it's a lot of offense. It's just just go 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 get get a lot of points. And um, the thing is, is like a lot of those points. I mean, they're not they're not hitting threes. And I know we talk about the Cavs being a little bit worse at at, at three, but Atlanta's scoring their points in the paint. They're they're scoring their points by by attacking a lot more right now, and that's why I like the Cavs a little bit. And and you know, I, I do want Jared Allen to play. Um, give you a little precursor to that that player props video that we have as well. And, and talking about Clint Capella possibly going under for these Hawks, being he struggled against this front court when he's had to play against at least one of Allen and or Mobley, um, and, and hasn't really reached his prop at all. Uh, in, in what it is tonight, and it's more of an indication of how the Cavs are going to beat them and how they're going to take away what the Hawks want to do uh, more than anything. In the last roughly you know 11 games, I, I just looked back to the past 11 because that's where the Cavs have been the best team in the league, and I kind of wanted to just see what have the, the Hawks done in that time frame as well. And they're scoring their points down low off of those scrappy second-chance points. It's like attacking the offensive boards. It's attacking the glass. Um, and it's playing with a lot of pace. And, and that's what the, the Hawks are about right now um, with, without too much defense, obviously, uh, something that's been a problem for a while now. But uh, those second chance points and those uh, those points in the paint for the Hawks, that's where they're leading since Quinn Snyder took over. That's where they're number one in the league right now in terms of getting their points. So with that in mind, you look at who's got the number one uh, in terms of limiting opponents points in the paint on the season. It's the Cavs. Um, over their last 11 games, the Cavs are, you know, still top five. Um, they are getting back on defense, still, you know, seventh in terms of limiting fast break points. Um, and then those second chance points as well, coming off the fact that they're getting offense or defensive rebounds on the season, also limiting those to the, to the tune of like 
third best. It's a little bit different, right? There's there's some splits for the Cavs on the road versus at home, but even in the in the last, uh, like I said, eleven games where they've you know they're tied for the best record in the league, they are uh, five and one on the road in that time, and the, the average score of those games is about one fourteen one oh nine, right? Gives you gets you to about two twenty three. I understand that that is not uh, the team that they're playing right now. The teams that they've been playing on the road are the Nets, the all of a sudden good at defense Hornets at home, <laughs> by the way, and then the Miami Heat yep. twice. So it's not a good indication of what's going to happen tonight. And, and I don't think you can really look at too much of the recency numbers for Cleveland in terms of the the way that there's the, the amount of points that are being scored, the pace that they're playing at. This one's going to be different. Like you're, you're, they're going to have to get it and go. Uh, and I'm confident as well that that Donnie Mitchell and, and DG, the PG there, Mr. Garland, are going to be ready to go uh, against Trey Young. And, and you mentioned the, the motivation. Both these teams have motivation. Uh, and I think that just leads to more and more points because the Hawks could potentially no nah, they're not getting they're not getting they're not going to jump the heat uh and they're not going to jump the even the nets at this point although we'd love the heat to do that for us so we can get the nets in that play-in game um but for our futures bets but more importantly for this one um jared allen's questionable and if jared allen's questionable or doesn't play it's just going to be more points man and and it's tough to to to, to gauge whether or not he's going to play because like i said shoot if, if you had told me i have to bet on whether or not Embiid's going to play last night i would have said yeah there's nothing that can keep him out but that's just not the case down the stretch for these guys right now. I think a lot of teams know that they're they're gearing up for the playoffs. I think the Cavs are happy to uh, to like you said have that gamesmanship in the in the the next game where they're playing the Knicks at home. Who knows who plays in that one? And and to be honest, that would lead me to believe that Jared Allen would play in this one because why would you really play him against a Knicks team that you've already locked up that four seed, um, barring like a complete meltdown where you lose everything and the Knicks just win out? Um, you're pretty much going to get that four seed. You don't really need to show the Knicks any part of your hand, so keep Allen off the floor. In which case, if you did have any desire to get that three seed, go ahead and uh, and try to win this game against the Hawks and, and get Jared Allen in there. So keep an eye on that because that's going to impact the, the, the total, in my opinion, big time because if Clint Capella can't really help them get offensive rebounds if John Collins and Okongu are not necessarily getting offensive rebounds then then they're not going to be able to score nearly as well but um, I, I do like the Cavs in this one first and foremost and if, if Jay Allen doesn't play I, I feel you on and over no I, I like the Hawks actually I, oh. I think it's over first and then Hawks as a correlation play because they win these high scoring games and they're stunningly consistently inconsistent like they just alternate win loss win loss coming off a loss in memphis they actually haven't won more than two straight since january 20th haven't lost more than two straight since january 2nd uh so they could lose two in a row sure but i mean it it is a situation where they have to win you could they could easily with any loss go from eighth to tenth in this play-in situation right and that's not where you want to be at all that's a huge difference versus the Cavs saying you know, they have a five-game lead on the Knicks, and they have a very slim chance of catching Philly. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, the injuries, yeah, thank you for mentioning Jared Allen. Also, Isaac Okoro questionable, which would really help an over uh, if Levert's playing more. Much better offensive player, much worse defensive player. And thank you for mentioning this the schedule, too. Like, the Cavs in their last eight, they're allowing 107. Every single team they've played is bottom 10 in offensive rating, except the Sixers, uh, who they gave up 118 to. Atlanta's second in offensive rating since the All-Star break. So, I mean, they've shown what they can do in this matchup. Three straight, like, that's not a fluke. Scoring 130 against a team since they became the Cavs, like, the defensive team. But it's just not the same defense on the road. Atlanta and Trey Young know how to attack it. So, I like them to score a lot and, and get the win that way. 
Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna have to get their points down low and earn them, but um, it's definitely possible. I, you you have a lot stronger uh, conviction in this one on the Hawks, and and I'm not necessarily saying I'm ready to put any money on this Cavs team. I do like them down the stretch as well uh, in terms of of games in, in in specifically inside of games where they're coming down and, and being pretty clutch. Um, are the Cavs? But like you said, if, if this is gonna go higher scoring to that extent, then then yeah, the Hawks would be you know at the very least the, the Hawks would have a much better chance. It's not much of a line right now. Um, I can't see the Hawks winning a defensive battle. So depending on the game theory that you believe in, um, you know, I, I just I think the way that the Hawks are scoring is stoppable. But if they're just going to play at that ridiculous pace and, and attack at the, at the way that they are, then, yeah, my, my conviction in, in an under would not be there uh, at all. So and then, yeah, we got Pels plus nine on a back to back. Technically, total is 234. I say technically because they played a completely tanking Blazers team that not only is starting a bunch of rookies and unknowns, but they will yank those starters immediately to ensure they lose by 30 points right now. Uh, so it's not exactly short rest, but you got to look at the back-to-back numbers. Uh, for the Pels, I mean, four and six straight up and against the spread. Seven and three, the over, allowing more points. But the key factor for me is they actually have a better opponent's three-point percentage this is the number one three-point defense in the league. And so you play the dubs. It's not really a coincidence that they've been able to keep these games low scoring when they've played the dubs. Granted, Steph Curry has not played in the last five, four meetings. Um, but, you know, it's it's still very impressive what they've been able to do against the Warriors team that, that lights it up from deep often. Four of the last five have gone under. Ten of the last 12 have gone under between these teams. So that includes plenty with Steph. You just look at, let's zoom out and look at Steph's numbers when he did play. He is getting 31 points per game, but less efficient than the insane efficiency we've seen from him. 46% from the field, 41% from deep against the Pelicans. And Jordan Poole, ridiculously inefficient, 37% from full floor, 27% from three, a 102 offensive rating. His last four the Dubs are coming off of this game where, yeah, they, they snap a nine-game home win streak and only score 96 against the Wolves. And it's kind of bad news that Poole was the savior off the bench in that game, right, at least for the offense, keeping him, keeping him in it. And now he's going to be feeling himself, and who knows how that's going to go against a team that he's really struggled against. But most importantly, yeah, look at the last five for the Warriors, only getting 104 a game against these Pels with a 106 offensive rating only hitting 11 and a half threes at 34%, 19 free throw attempts, the pace down to 97 and a half. And that's, that is where the pace is at. You know, since the all-star break, they slow it down at home. Their defense is 20 points better for hundred possessions, which is just insane. Uh, and, but they're, they're getting all their points off threes. I mean, highest percentage of course, because it's Steph Curry team, 17 threes at 39%. So if you're going to hit closer to 11 than 17, we got to have a lower scoring game here. In fact, the last time these teams faced uh, in Golden State, it was 108-99, which is way under 234. Obviously, no Steph Curry, though. Uh, also, no Jonas Valanciunas, which allowed the Warriors to kind of dominate the glass. That's not been the case for the Pels lately. He's playing really well. Ingram struggled, though, even without Andrew Wiggins. So I'm not seeing a lot of offensive firepower for these Pelicans, I think where they're going to have to try to keep it, stay in it is with defense, which has been their MO all year. I mean, like fifth in defensive rating under in 11 of their last 14 conference games. And they've climbed back into this one. Now they're a half game behind both mini 
and Golden State to actually get out of the play-in after it looked like their their season was over. You said they're surging. Four of the five teams they've beaten are tanking. But, you know, yep. when you lose to the Rockets before that streak, you you got to bring it and actually win the games that you're supposed to win. And they've done that. Um, and they've done it with defense. So I, I'm, I'm not going to try to pick a nine-point spread here. I think we definitely expect the Warriors to win. I would just look at the under. Uh, and if you want to take Warriors minus five with a higher under, I, I think it's not a bad spot for a tease here on a short slate. Yeah, I mean, these dubs, man. Jesus, that that loss to the Timberwolves. It's actually, to be honest, let, let me be honest. The Timberwolves play the dubs well. And, and I think that's cor- there's correlation here because the Pelicans, the Pelicans. play the dubs well. Thank you. Precisely. <laughs> right, right. Cor- correlation. I'm correlating those two for sure. And, and, and I'm saying because of the style of play um, and because where they, they look to get their points and, and how they stop points. And this Pelicans defense is long and rangy and athletic um, and, and has been coming along all season. We haven't talked about Herb Jones nearly as much as last year. We just love to say Herb Jones, but we haven't had the chance to talk about the Pellies as much. I mean, dude, before they went on this five game win streak, and also, just to be clear, I just said they were surging. I didn't say they were beating good teams. So they are beating scrubs. And uh, and and I did say it a little bit tongue-in-cheek because of who they've been playing, the Pels. Um, but they, they've just been beating who's in front of them. And before that, it's not like they were beating bad teams before that. Um, before they went on this streak, they actually weren't beating oh, teams under 500 nearly uh, as much as they should have been uh, with a winning percentage of like 35% when they were coming in the previous games where they were uh, the, the, uh, the favorite uh, in, in those situations. So they weren't beating bad teams than they did the point is is like why what have they been doing and it's really just focusing on the things that they do well shut down the three ball um get out into transition when they can um and then you know do a good job just defending pretty much all over the floor man like you said that's been their mo all season um before this this five game win streak they had the fourth worst record in the nba after zion went down in early january um and and once zion went down they were just they were cooked for a while. Bi was out as well. Now they've had the consistency. I think that's a big part of it, and they've been able to get right. And I would not feel comfortable um, picking the the Dubs to win by nine points or double digits in this one. And with and, and that also just makes me realize, you know, the the points they're not going to be there because if you look even at the the the, the previous games that these teams have played, um, if you just go back to even just this season, just start there. Like it's it's blowout city usually. Like the closest game was nine points. Um, there was some giving up going on when when you know when the home team. Just blowing out the away team essentially uh, is what was what's been happening for them this season, and and in that sense, like. I- I could see the Dubs doing that after after a loss, but even if they get up to like 120, I just don't feel as good. You know, I would still say it's blowout city makes it possible that this still you know remains under uh, 230 at that point because it could be like a 120 108 game or something like that, and that would not shock me either. Um, but the Dubs would have to get those threes up, right? They're scoring the third most, uh, the third highest percentage of their points off of three. We know what they do, but just narrow things down a little bit, you know, for, for the dubs and in, in terms of those home road splits over the last, like, 15 games or so. I know Steph missed a few of those, but they played seven of those games at home in the last 15 Obviously, six and one there versus two and six on the road in that time frame. But the six and one comes with 116 points a game and playing defense to the tune of limiting their opponent to 105 points a game, winning by a lot of 11 points. But it's really about them limiting uh, opponents' three pointers. Their three point percentage is still fine. It's at 38% at home, uh, making 16 threes. But 
16 threes for them is still like if you look at the uh, 20 free throw attempts that they're getting um, right they're not going to the line they're not stopping the clock and getting points that way uh, they're not crashing the glass and getting offensive boards they still dime up and then they're getting close to 30 assists a game um, but also what do the uh, what, what did the Pelicans do really well limit assists uh, and limit your ability to, to move the ball around the wing and get open shots etc so Yes, Steph is going to make a difference from the 108-99 total that they played at last time, probably. Uh, but he's not necessarily going to change the speed of, and, and tempo of this game. That's going to be a bit choppier. Um, even if the, the Pels do try to get out on the fast break a bit, um, you know, they've been getting fast break points over the course of the last like 10 games or so, even um, before this streak that they were doing well on. Um, but at home, the dubs get back on defense, unlike uh, on the road where they don't, and they give up even more points off of turnovers uh, on the road as well. So, I I mean, that, that's the thing. If, if Golden State could just please, as we're both definitely going to be hitting this under, if Golden State could please just not turn the ball over, like, as dumb as possible, like, the, 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 the style of turnovers that they had against the Timberwolves was painful, painful to watch. It was like, there's already a hand in that passing lane. Why are you throwing it there? Uh, but, you know, that that's the case for, for them on the road more so. So I think at home, if they can at least just take that, like, 14 turnovers, 13 turnovers, still not great, but like would be so awesome to keep this thing under. Uh, and I think that they can do that as they've been doing that at home more so lately, um, limiting those turnovers. I, they've got two more on the road. So I, I think this is a really ripe opportunity. And, and this thing is way too high. Like I, I it was very surprised to see 234 and a half. Uh, I think this thing goes under about 230. Yeah, at least if they commit turnovers, just don't make them live ball turnovers. Because I mean, the Pels are pretty good at forcing those, but they're yeah. not great scoring in transition or taking advantage of them. And <clears throat> I don't really trust this offense at the half court. That That is for yeah. New Orleans very much with CJ dealing with a thumb, with Ingram not showing much against the Warriors last time out. Uh, <clears throat> and I don't know if you can just pound the interior with, with Looney and Draymond out there. I don't know how Joe Val is going to do. So I think there's a, there's definitely, like you said, yeah, this could be a runaway for the, for the Warriors. I definitely expect them to win. But those games have still gone under. Like they've blown out the Pelicans plenty of times yeah. in this twelve game span and just it just shut down that offense because without Zion, it's just not a very explosive team at all. This is what we've seen four months, and I'm not gonna be fooled by a five game sample size against a Clippers team that was just like trying to find a lineup that worked and, and they did uh last night. Congrats, Nick Batum. Angle. Uh back to relevancy. Um, but yeah, I think that's the total anomaly that they hit 21 threes against the clips to get over a uh, 240 total there. I don't see this Pelicans team doing that consistently against any team that's trying, uh, let alone a team that's a, an elite defensive team when they're at home. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, either, either way, like for, for the dubs in this one, I, it, it's kind of a must win. I mean, you, you got to stay out. Uh, you got to stay in that play. And, and I mean, they're, they're in there, but this, this is a big game for both of them. And I, I mean, losing against the Timberwolves, um, man, that's how the dubs have been playing this season. They, they're not going to lose two in a row in, at home. Um, but I would, I would prefer to have to hit that money line for sure, which is not much there for, for the dubs in terms of the juice you get back on it. So if you want to parlay that, I, I totally get it. It's still a pretty small slate. Um, either way, I, I, you know, the, the under on this one is, is my, probably my favorite bet of the night in general. So, um, you've got to, it's just, you play on the dubs, the, the sort of mentality that people have about golden state, especially at home with that offense, but just dive into the numbers a little bit more deeply. Look at who they're playing. Uh, and two thirty four is way too much. So maybe a little alternate at two thirty and a half. and uh, get a few more, uh, bit, a little bit more bang on my buck there, but you're listening to the lines.com podcast network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sportsbooks all in one place? 
Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Stephen Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem. Call one 800 5 522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia, 1-800-270-7117. For confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia, and 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa and Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Nate, let's go ahead and just jump right into your first NBA play a prop for tonight. Yeah, so Jalen Brown came out last week with some, you know, somewhat vague comments about not necessarily being part of the Celtics plans or whatever. He says he was taking a little bit out of context. Obviously, everything was blown out of proportion because that's the NBA news cycle. Uh, but I mean, definitely you've seen some results in the last two games that the team's like, all right, the simplest way to handle this is to just make sure Jalen gets on the All-NBA team. <laughs> then we can give him a Supermax, and mm-hmm. then he's just part of this team for five years or whatever it will be. Uh, so they just let him go off for 41 points in a 44-point win on Sunday. So like to me, that shows you that I'm not that worried about the 11-point spread in Washington. The fact that Washington has already ruled out Beal and Kuzma. Might also rule out Daniel Gafford, which definitely would hurt their defense. Um, that, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's an easy matchup. Washington's lost eight of 10 with a 122 defensive rating, actually giving up the second most points and most threes to small forwards in their last seven here. Jalen averages 31 points on a 35% usage rate with elite splits. His last three against the Wiz, um, that's a 136 offensive rating in those three. In his last seven, he's getting 32 a game, 122 offensive rating. He's a plus 66. He's been the most consistent player even before these comments on a team that is kind of sputtering and kind of losing focus. And in particular, Jason Tatum just hasn't been very efficient at all since the All-Star break. And and Jalen has been. And it's kind of both him making his case to the franchise and making his case for All-NBA, which is something I think they the front office would very much like him to do. Um, so again, I think he should get plenty of usage Score over 26 and a half, which is his prop. It's at even money, basically. And plus 140 for four assists is juicy. I'd, I'd have no problem lumping any of these together for 35 and a half PRA. Uh, I mean, he's been pretty consistently over 10 rebounds and assists in the span as well. Um, and just being the best player on the floor, frankly. Like, I, <laughs> not, not, I'm not trying to take more shots at Tatum or anything. I'm just saying Brown has more on the line right now and that the franchise wants to see him succeed. 
we we are watching and we are witnessing the the division of Boston sports fans here. Nate on one side of the argument. Nate's a Jalen guy. Are you a JB guy or a JT guy? But no, I think it's silly. I agree with you, man. This all I'm joking. I'm not putting words in your mouth. Boston fans don't listen to me. But no, more importantly, like this is so silly. This was Jason Tatum hanging out with his good friend Kevin Durant at one point during a time where trade talks were going on about KD and because Jason Tatum walked into a, like a Starbucks with KD everyone's like oh my god he's going to Boston and then the media comes rushing to Jalen Brown like Jalen what do you think of the fact that Jason Tatum and Kevin Durant had frozen yogurt together yesterday and it's like nobody <laughs> cares dude Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are also friends this is fine I think JT's watching him uh going yeah Jalen just go get yours right now man I don't care there's seven games left like I don't have just nearly as big of an ego about it as is made out to be um so go ahead and get yours and, and I, I totally agree with you on the sort of game theory of, of Jalen Brown being the guy right now uh, for this team that they just, they want to get him some points and who knows if they're going to be able to catch the, the Bucks with two games left. The Bucks don't really lose anymore, have an incredibly easy schedule. Um, and I don't know that that's necessarily their number one priority as much as they want to be playing well and have their second best player in a really good place once they get into the playoffs. So, I'm going with a very confident bet that I have here, Nate, and it's Clint Capella under against this Cleveland Cavaliers team that we covered in that game video. 23 and a half points and rebounds for the big man. Um, minus 120 on points bet is the best place I could find it using that odds finder tool. I do want Jared Allen to play for this bet to to be uh, for, I can feel as confident as I do if Jared Allen will play um, because when Jared honestly Jared Allen or Evan Mobley as long as one of them is playing they've shut down Clint Capella to get under this prop uh, in pretty much most of the the, the times that they played him since Evan Mobley got to the team last season. Um, they allow the fewest points per game and rebounds per game to centers, does Cleveland. They allow uh, the fewest rebounds to their opponent on the road. I mean, top three everywhere, but best on the road. Third in limiting points in the paint. Third in limiting second chance points. Where do you think Click Capella scores from, right? 90% of his of his points come from the paint. 33% of those points uh, even in, uh, are coming from second chance points off of offensive rebounds that the Cavs limit uh, really, really well. His last five versus Cleveland, he's averaging seven and a half points, nine boards in that time. His, his rebound prop is at 12 and a half tonight, um, which is just bad odds to go under because it's so high. They're giving you plus odds to take the over on it. And I'm not that crazy because there's not going to be that many rebounds. I know we'd like a, a faster pace in Atlanta with this Quinn Snyder team um, since he took over, but that doesn't necessarily mean that Clint Capella is going to be the one getting those rebounds uh, or putbacks on a, on a fast break necessarily. So he's only hit this prop once in the last five times he's played Cleveland. Um, and in that game, neither Jared Allen nor Evan Mobley played uh, at all in it. So um, he's averaging just 23 minutes per game against the Cavs in those time. And, and really in the last 10, 26 minutes per game, because since then we've seen Okongu and John Collins come back from injury uh, and their front court is a lot more formidable. So they don't, need him to play close to even close to 30 minutes he's, he's not getting more than the 26 like I said um, and I think this high total is there for him tonight because uh, he's had success yeah you look at who he's played in the last five games Memphis Indiana Detroit San Antonio and Minnesota uh, the only team that is not in the bottom five there over their last 15 games in terms of limiting points to centers uh, is Minnesota everybody else is just hemorrhaging all those points and rebounds to the opposing center all, all most of those teams also just not trying to win in terms of Indy Detroit and San Antonio so uh, I think there's plenty of reason that Clint Capella will be stopped, even if Jared Allen does not play tonight. Evan Mobley's played, and that's been enough to keep uh, CeCe off the glass like that. Yeah, I mean, to me, it doesn't even really matter who he's playing against, or, or I mean, as much who's out there for the opposition. It just is the lack of minutes that you highlighted. Mm -hmm. He can get yanked for so many different reasons. Like, he's, he's a very, you know, one-dimensional player offensively, um, and the Hawks have 
a lot of different things going on now with Snyder, a lot of different actions, and and sometimes they just want to roll with Okongwu or Collins as small ball five. If, if Allen sits, you know, maybe it's Collins and Mobley both playing right. center. Uh, so, so yeah, I, th- I have no problem taking an under on Capella because I like points in this game, and that means I don't really like rebounds. Um, but I do like Darius Garland for the Cavs. Uh, you, matching up on Trey Young, talked about it a little bit in the game video. He's at, he dropped 33 points in 31 minutes when these teams played a month ago in Atlanta. That came during a string of really strong road games where he averaged 35 points and assists in that span. Um, and on the road since the start of February, he's averaging three more points per game, averaging 22.5, slightly higher usage rate, shooting nearly 50% from three versus 37%. The assists have dropped on the road, and he only had two assists to go along with those 33 points against Atlanta. Atlanta's actually really good at limiting team assists. So I'm going to shy away from that and just say let's take 21.5 points for, for DG, which is really good odds at FanDuel, minus 104, because since those five strong roadies, he's gone cold in three against, as you mentioned, the Charlotte Hornets that are suddenly a defensive juggernaut uh, with Dennis Smith Jr. at the forefront there. Um, and and then the Nets twice, a team that just doesn't score and didn't really, you know, inspire the Cavs to score much. But this matchup is total, you know, guard-centric, right? You got DeJounte guarding Donovan Mitchell, limiting him the last time they played a month ago, or whatever Quinn Snyder knows about Mitchell helping to limit them. And DG picked up the slack. And he, if he's matching up on Trey Young, it's, you know, it's food. Trey has roasted him on the other end, by the way. So I have no problem taking Trey props. But DG averaging nearly 30 a game on 61-50 splits with a 35% usage rate now his last two against Trey Young. So I think 21.5 points is pretty low. It's a good buy-low opportunity. Yeah, Darius Garland just looks over at the, at the match against Trey Young and goes, oh my God, someone my size. Hell yeah, I'm about to roast this dude. Um, but I think you're right. There's going to be points coming from the guard position majorly tonight. Um, and a little bit of like your turn, my turn in terms of the opposition, right? Going up against like Donnie Mitchell's prop is at 28 and a half points tonight. That's wildly high, even for a guy who's dropping a bunch of points right now uh, in a game that is should be pretty high scoring because Quinn Snyder's just come in and made that that offense especially at home, uh, just play at, at like a very, very fast pace uh, with those guards. So we'll, we'll see what happens tonight. But I, I like the the point total for, for DG tonight. DG the PG. So uh, let's finish things off here with Triple J, Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, we went to the well with him recently, and that crushed when he had 34 points in a game, uh, even with Ja back. And now Ja is doubtful tonight, uh, and he's had a, a really nice string of games without Ja Morant, especially in the scoring department. So that's why at 21 and a half points, um, you can get that at minus 108 on FanDuel. Really like that. Uh, you made mention here in, in our notes about him being plus money to win Defensive Player of the Year, which he was for a while. Um, uh, or he was he was actually the favorite for a while. Uh, obviously, a, a nice big comeback by, I believe, Brooke, right? Brooke Lopez coming in as well and challenging him for that. So it's going to come down to the stretch. But at plus money, it was worth a mention real quick if you if you still think Ja, or excuse me, Triple J is likely uh, to be able to take that home. I mean, he's averaging three blocks uh, a game this season. So, you know, more blocks at home. We know some of the stat stuff. Not going to get too far into that. Let's talk about why he's going to get 22 points against this Magic team tonight. Uh, 31, 10, and three blocks in 32 minutes a month, uh, about couple months ago in Orlando um, and Ja, you know, was in that one as well. Steven Adams even played in that one as well. So I'm about, you know, I'm about to tell you about all the great numbers that 
Jaron Jackson Jr. has had this season without Ja and without Steven Adams. Yet the last time he played this this uh, Magic team, he still had a uh, you know he still had those thirty one points despite that Ja had thirty two points. Ja had like a thirty four percent usage rate, uh, right? And, and as he's normally doing against Orlando. So without Ja in there, you know, there's I, I think Tyus uh, Jones by the way is not a bad play either. Although what's interesting is Orlando, despite the fact that every single person on their team is six foot ten or taller, has not been playing well against the front court nearly as much as they've been playing well against uh, guards as of late. And obviously Markel Fultz is a really really good big strong defensive guard. Um, so at, at point. For this team, so it's not like Tyus is necessarily going to be able to do whatever he wants. Um, but either way, you know, against power forwards is actually where they've been struggling. Like I said, bottom ten in allowing points per game and rebounds per game to power forwards in their last fifteen, even like fifth uh, fifth most points there in that sense. Um, since you know, the, like I said, the last uh, roughly couple weeks or three weeks, um, and his last nine without Ja this season, right? We talk about Triple J and what he's been able to do: twenty three points a game, a twenty eight percent usage. Um, and in his last three versus Orlando, like he just he likes playing this team 22 a game with that same roughly 28 percent usage um, in just about 28 and a half minutes. And I think you could probably expect him to get a few more minutes uh, with Ja out in, in Ja's missed a bunch of games in March. And you just see the the amount of time that Triple J has been getting in March so far, which is actually about to end. Uh, and he's still getting about 21 and a half points and on a 27 percent usage with 31 minutes a game. Um, and he's been avoiding foul trouble. Like there's some crazy stats when he gets three plus fouls in the first half, um, you know, or, or has like five by the start of the fourth quarter. Obviously, his numbers just drop because his minutes drop. He's averaging like 24 minutes a game in those foul trouble games and then up to about 29, 30 minutes in the games where he's able to maintain right two or less fouls in the first half, et cetera. So there's some pretty interesting numbers there uh, about how much he can, you know, how well he can play. And, and Orlando's not really attacking the basket like as, as big as they are. Wendell Carter Jr. is a three-point shooter. Paolo's a, a distant shooter from mid-range and Franz Wagner as well. So um, I think there's some pretty good reason to think that, you know, he's going to be able to get his uh, and get down low. And there should be a decent amount of points in this game for a Memphis team that's been scoring the most points per game uh, over their last 11. Yeah, that's the big concern is that Memphis at home could run away with it. Uh, Orlando, but Orlando's defense is really bad on the road. So as long as it's relatively close, or even if it is a blowout, I mean, yeah, you mentioned the game where Jock came back against Houston and Triple J had like 35 points and it wasn't yeah. close, but, they, but Memphis dropped like 150 and they were just, you know, having fun like they do that front running team that loves to get ahead at home and then just yeah. like light you up. And so I think, yeah, maybe even in a blowout, even in three quarters, he can get there. Yeah. It's a matchup against a big team and he's a really quick skilled big, which actually seems to help him. And, you know, I'm, I'm hoping for a Palo under, you know, now that we have a little bit of scratch on Jalen Williams for rookie of the year, we're hoping maybe he, he get he gets made to look bad, but Either way, I think Triple J will will have his antenna up for that matchup, which he did last time and, and pretty much dominated against Powell and company. Yep. And, and to be clear, it's a very small smattering of like fractional units that we put on on Jalen Williams at like plus 2,500 to win that rookie of the year because Paolo at minus 5,000 probably just has the majority of the season for people to look back at and go, that was crazy. But like. Yeah, Jalen will love that kid too. Uh, some pretty fun futures as we're coming down the stretch here, man. You br mentioned briefly the MVP is back into about a deadlock uh, even race after Joel sat last night. You got this Triple J Defensive Player of the Year still available. I think most improved is probably out there to the finisher at Laurie Markinen. So probably not worth it there, but some fun stuff left. So make sure you're definitely staying on top of all that stuff. And that is all the time we have for you. So make sure to like and subscribe to that page as well. Check out the other couple videos we have up for you tonight. Until we see you next. Happy betting.